You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to What's New with Wired. It's Thursday, May 5th. Today we're talking about the leak of a draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. What laws may have been violated, if any? Before we get into today's top story, remember to check out our other Wired podcasts. Checking in on Wired Science, everyone wants to build green energy projects, so what's the holdup? And on Wired Security, Ukraine's digital battle with Russia isn't going as expected. Listen to these stories and more at Wired.com podcasts. The leak of a seismic draft opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court that would overturn Roe v. Wade has somehow managed overnight to elicit roughly equal outpourings of anger from the right and left. The left has rallied to decry a decision that would overturn a 50-year-old cornerstone of reproductive rights. Conservatives, despite the historic victory the ruling would represent for their side, have meanwhile targeted their political outrage at a far more specific individual, the leaker. Just hours after Politico published a draft of the majority ruling written by Justice Samuel Alito calling the Roe decision egregiously wrong from the start and overruling the five-decade-old precedent, figures across the right issued a chorus of calls for the investigation and prosecution of the anonymous source of the illegal leak. CBS News went so far as to report somewhat vaguely that it expects an investigation involving the FBI into the leak's source, and Chief Justice John Roberts has opened an investigation into the disclosure. But all of that furor is undermined by an inconvenient legal truth. Leaking a Supreme Court decision doesn't actually seem to be a crime, at least not by any clear and undisputed definition. Right now, it's unclear whether the leaker broke any law at all, says Trevor Tim, a First Amendment-focused lawyer and the executive director of the Freedom of the Press Foundation. Even the people claiming this act is beyond the pale and the FBI must investigate haven't pointed to a definitive law this leaker allegedly broke. Tim cites a lengthy Twitter thread published late Monday by the well-known UC Berkeley legal scholar Oren Kerr, who responded to the leak Monday night by pointing out that a Supreme Court draft doesn't meet any of the obvious criteria that would make it an illegal document to hand to a journalist. Most important, it's not classified, so leaking it doesn't open the leaker to prosecution under the Espionage Act. As far as I can tell, there is no federal criminal law that directly prohibits disclosure of a draft to legal opinion, Kerr concluded. Of course, if the source is someone who hacked into a computer of, say, a Supreme Court justice or law clerk or swiped the paper off their desk, 
The leaker could be prosecuted with computer fraud and abuse or theft, Kerr points out. But otherwise, despite the historic rarity of Supreme Court leaks and the politically radioactive nature of this one, Kerr argues there's no slam-dunk argument to federally prosecute the leaker. Instead, Kerr suggests that any federal prosecutor seeking to make a case against Politico's leaker might have to resort to a far shakier statute, known as 18 U.S.C. Section 641. That broad statute forbids the theft or misuse of government-owned things of value, a broadly written law seemingly designed at the surface level to prevent embezzlement or graft by those with access to the government's property. But whether it applies to information and what kind of information given to whom remains an open question in federal law, with different circuit courts fundamentally disagreeing in their rulings. Legal scholarship provides little clarity regarding Section 641's interpretation. Only a few scholars have even recognized Section 641's application to information, reads a Columbia Law Review article about the statute's use for prosecuting leakers, written by Jessica Lutkenhaus, an attorney focused on criminal defense at the law firm Wilmer Hale. The circuits disagree about whether Section 641 applies to information and, if it does, what its scope is, what information constitutes a thing of value. Sharing information is arguably fundamentally different from stealing a thing of value, Freedom of the Press Foundation's Tim points out. You can't steal a government jeep or take something tangible or physical from government offices, Tim says. But copying something can be construed as different from stealing something. You copy it, and the original thing is still there, and you just leave with papers that didn't exist before. That ambiguity has led different federal courts to come to contradictory conclusions. A Fourth Circuit court, for instance, found in 1991 that a Department of Defense employee who left the DOD for a job at a defense contractor and took information with him was guilty of violating Section 641. But a Ninth Circuit court has come to an opposite conclusion, finding in a 1959 case that intangible goods are not covered by Section 641. That ruling was later applied in 1988 by the same circuit to the case of an information leaker, a naval officer accused of stealing computer punch cards related to secret encryption information. The court confirmed that the information itself was not covered by Section 641, though his appeal was thrown out anyway because he'd stolen the physical punch cards that stored it. Other circuit courts have come to conclusions somewhere in between, with some finding, for instance, that the Section 641 does apply to information leaks, but noting that this doesn't extend to those covered by the First Amendment's protections on free speech and freedom of the press, findings with direct relevance to Politico's Supreme Court leaker. Several of the most notable leakers in history have been charged under 18 U.S.C. Section 641-2, including Daniel Ellsberg, Chelsea Manning, and Edward Snowden. But the use of that law was overshadowed by the prosecution under the Espionage Act, since all three were accused of leaking classified secrets and none set a clear precedent. Ellsberg's charges were dropped due to improper government conduct by the Nixon administration, and Snowden has yet to face trial. Manning was convicted on the 18 U.S.C. Section 641 count she faced, but in a military court, not a civilian one. All of that leaves the legal status of Politico's leaker, if they are identified, far from certain. But any confident argument that they committed a crime is on equally shaky terrain, argues Tim. And that's especially true in a case where the leaker appears to have leaked a document directly to the press, with a clear interest in making the information public. Even if prosecutors think 18 U.S.C. Section 641 applies, I'd have serious First Amendment concerns with broadly applying it to anyone who leaks a government document to the press, Tim says. Leaks to the press are as American as apple pie, and in many cases throughout history, have furthered democracy rather than hindered it. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from Wired.com. 
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.